You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, I've been getting poked at for how long it took me to go through the book of Matthew. So I picked a shorter book this time. This should only take me two years. Uh, It shouldn't take a a whole long time at all. I've gone through the book before. I know I've done it in Sunday school class many years ago in our home builders class. I taught it and uh, probably have taught it in um, one of our preaching services, but it's been years ago. But I want us to open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, if you'll open there this morning. When you get home today, most of our Bibles will have, at the beginning of the books of the Bible, you'll have, oh, you know, they'll give you um, a rundown of what that book is going to be about. Mine, the beginning of mine says, uh, talks about the book itself, and then the author, the time of Ephesians when it was written, Christ in Ephesians, uh, lots of different things like that, that I would encourage you to read. It would be a help to you. You'll hear me say this often that if you hang a backdrop behind something that you're trying to display, it'll stand out brighter. It just will. Uh, We've said that if you put uh, a diamond on a black uh, felt surface, the brightness of the diamond has a tendency to stand out in a greater way. And as you understand what the book of Ephesians, that backdrop to what the book was about, why it was written, it will make it come more alive to you in your personal life. It just does. And I, I would encourage you to take some time to do that. Uh, become very serious about your study about the Word of God. It's God talking to you and trying to help you where you are in, in life. So let me just say this about today's message. This is going to be an introductory message. I'm not going to go into a lot of depth and uh, a lot of verses. We're going to read the first 14 verses But the title of my message is simply uh, Ephesians by way of introduction. And again, trying to lay just a little bit of that backdrop for us here today, give you an idea of what we can look forward to as we're walking through the book of Ephesians here on uh, Sunday morning. So if you will start with me, we're going to start in obviously Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1. And we'll read those first 14 verses. I won't expound on all of those, but I I think it would be worth us reading down through and seeing some of these blessings that are given to us here. So Paul starts off in this book of Ephesians and tells us, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, 
to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He hath purposed in Himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Let me pause there. We'll have prayer and then we'll get into our thoughts here this morning. God, thank you for the privilege again to be in your very word, the very mind of Christ that you want us to know about living here on this earth and being like our Savior. I'm asking God that you help each one of us here to take an honest look at ourselves right now and try to determine, am I I really here for the right purpose? Do I really want God to speak to my heart? And will I allow him to make any changes that he might speak to my heart about? God, speak to us about our salvation. If some are not saved here today, may you speak to their hearts. But I would ask you for your anointing and the power of God to be upon me as I would preach. And I'm thanking you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Been doing quite a bit of reading and studying about this, and a lot of comments can be made about the book of Ephesians. But let me, let me read to you a couple of um, illustrations that might help highlight uh, about this book. Years ago, the newspapers had reported the story of an elderly man and his wife were found dead in an apartment. And upon examining their autopsies, both of them were found to have had severe malnutrition. They basically had starved to death. And yet investigators going through their uh, their house and their apartment found stuffed in paper bags in their closet $40,000 available to them that they did not take advantage of and chose rather to starve themselves to death. You say, what a a travesty. And I, I say the same thing. For years, there was a lady named Hetty Green. I don't know if you guys like reading in history and maybe have come across that name ever at any time. It was new to me. Hetty Green was called America's greatest miser. And and at her death, she left an estate valued at, and we're going back a lot of years, guys, but her estate was was worth $100 million. So that's not uncommon today. We hear of a lot of millionaires, even billionaires today. But in that day, that was a really big deal. So she died with $100 million worth in her life. But she was so cheap that she ate cold oatmeal in order to save the expense of heating the water. 
I mean, you can't waste money on heating your stove up and the cost that that's going to be. Um, her son injured his leg, but she spent so much time trying to find a free clinic, infection developed in his leg, and he had to have his leg amputated. A hundred million dollars of worth, and she wouldn't take her son to the doctor. I mean, it's, it, you, you say that's crazy. It's ridiculous. You know, I, I would, you know, no matter how much money I had, my son's sick, I would take him I would take them to the doctor and try to get things fixed. But these people, they had a problem. They had all these riches and wouldn't use them. Uh, what's worse than that, I remember, I've told you this story for years, was uh, the story of a mother way back in early on one of the world wars, and I don't remember when they used war bonds. But war bonds, if I'm not mistaken, were used as a type of payment to the soldier boys. Am I correct on that, guys? I'm not real familiar on that but that's what I have always understood it to be. And so this, this, this boy over fighting in the war uh, knew that his mother was a widow back home, had very little money, very little income, and, uh, and, and couldn't afford to heat the house. So he would mail her all of his war bonds and she could cash them and then try to go and, and get the food she needed. She could pay to have the house heated. But he got the notice in the mail one day while he was gone to war that his mother had passed away and they flew him home to attend his mother's funeral and he said when I got into our house uh, my mother had taken all my war bonds she didn't even know what they were and just pasted them on the walls all around the house just to remind her of her son and not realizing how rich she was and didn't live by the money that she had and died uh, of some kind of a sickness she contracted from the coldness and lack of food. It was so sad. When I, I read stories like that, it's almost like, can, can you really believe people would live their lives that way? But uh, listen, God gives us the book of Ephesians for those who might begin to treat their resources for our Christian life like a, like a heady green did or the cheapskate couple who died of starvation or the, the, the sad story of the mother who had so much plastered on the walls surrounding her and didn't even know she could utilize those. I have an idea. I, I feel very confident that in our Christian life that we live today, there are many Christians who have all the riches of heaven at their disposal and don't take advantage of them. You either know that you have them and don't uh, you know, delve deep enough to, to find those blessings and to know what they are in my life, or you simply, and, and the word ignorant is not a put down, guys. You're ignorant just means you're minus the facts. You've not learned them yet. Uh, either you failed to maybe to be in a class or somewhere that could teach you these things, but you simply don't know about the great riches that God has for you, and consequently, you're living a malnutrition Christian life. You're very anemic in your walk with God, and you should be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. <clears throat> excuse me, as you get on over, especially in the chapter 6, you'll find where God is very clear. I, I need to see my Christian strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, <clears throat> and he tries to teach us Christianity should not be a group of weaklings that scamper around, running around half scared in this life because of the way the world is and the way America has you know, gone downhill so bad I'm just going to kind of hide in my closet. I'll go to my church in and out. <clears throat> you know, I'll be a closet Christian. 
And yet the great storehouse of God's blessing is sitting in your lap today. And we miss out on the way God really wants you to live. And the ability to be strong and rich in those blessings of Christ. Some have called the book of Ephesians like, um, they've given it a title like the Believer's Bank or the treasure house of the Bible. We don't use it as often as we used to, but some even called it uh, the checkbook of of the Bible. Uh, So I I listened to a set of, uh, did anybody in here ever have that old set of Curtis Hudson's soul winning tapes and a red covered album? Let's go soul winning, I think it was the title of it. I can't remember. Anybody else besides me? I love that uh, series because Curtis Hudson told so many stories and could, he knew how to make them relevant <clears throat> to the Christian life. So, uh, you know, speaking about the, the believer's bank and all those treasures that God has for us here this morning, Curtis Hudson in that series told the story about how he had, had to go to his, and they had a large congregation down, I think it was Atlanta, Georgia, possibly is where Curtis Hudson's church possibly was, I think. And, uh, and they had uh, raised a whole lot of money for a huge project and then come to find out another big thing went wrong at their church that was going to cost many multi-thousands of dollars and he's like I just can't go back to the congregation and tell them guys we've got to raise another huge sum of money so he just said I remember in my office that day I got down on my knees and I just began to pray and said God you know what's going on here you know the problems that we have and you know the issues and he said I just kind of got up wondering if God was even listening to me and sat down at my desk put my head in my hands and I got a knock at the door and he said a man walked in and he said pastor I had been hearing about the the needs in the church and he said uh, me and my wife had just been talking uh, about some of the, the the great needs and it was hundreds of thousands that they needed at that time and back in that day and age it was a lot of money that was needed but he said me and my wife have been talking and he said <clears throat> we just wanted to, uh, to, to write a check to the church for uh, $10,000 if that could be a help or a blessing anywhere and he went out and closed the door and he said well God that's 10,000 and they still needed several hundred thousands of dollars he told about uh, the first story he told though was about going to get his hair cut and he said while I was getting my hair cut he said the barber that attended our church said to me you know pastor I I've been uh, coming to this church for years and I know I've not been giving like I ought to give and he said he laid down uh, the shears on the table, walked into the back, and came out with a $1,000 check. And he said, I just want to give this to whatever, wherever the need might be in the church. He said he went back uh, next month to get his hair cut. Same conversation, laid his shears down, went back and wrote a $1,000 check. He said, I got to where I was getting my hair cut every other day. <laughs> and I've been going to every other barber in town I can find. I have yet to get that $1,000 check, but... Then he got the $10,000 knock on the door, and then he said then, it wasn't two minutes after that, he got another knock on the door. Another man walked in. He said, Pastor, uh, <clears throat> he said, uh, you know, me, same, same story. Me and my wife, we've been having this conversation. We know there's needs in the church. God's blessed us. We just wanted to write the church a $50,000 check. He, the door closed and went out, and he said, well, God, we're up to so-and-so. And then he said, I got another knock on the door. He said, I couldn't believe it. He said, I jumped at that door. I was just standing at the door waiting on people to knock at the door. And these are random people that just came to the door. The guy walked in and walked over to the pastor's uh, desk, put his checkbook on the desk and said, Pastor, you know I run this business downtown. And you know the size of our business. 
And he said, <clears throat> pretty much I think we could help any need that you have in the church. He took the checkbook and tore a check out, signed his name, and left everything else blank. And he laid it on the desk and he said, now you fill in the blank for the amount that's needed for whatever you might have need of here in the church. The guy walked out. Curtis Hudson's sitting there with $1,000 checks, $10,000 checks, $50,000 checks, and a blank check. He said, I picked the phone up and called my wife. I think her name was Geraldine or Jerry or something like that. And she answered the phone. He said, I told her, he said, uh, uh, Geraldine, I'm, I'm going to be a little late for supper. This is his exact words. He said, I've done poked a hole in heaven and I can't get it plugged up. <laughs> I thought, wow. Who does that? I know who does that. And what we fail to realize, guys, is not necessarily the monetary blessings, but the spiritual blessings that are needed in the Christian life are all to be found in this book right here that can change our lives and can lift us out of this discouraged Christian walk and give us a, an, a, an excited walk with the Lord if we just delve into the Word of God. The book of Ephesians is the book of blessings. That's just the way it is. And I'm not saying other books in the Bible can't be counted as that. It's just that Ephesians just goes so richly into the blessings of God. Um, it, it tells the Christian what we possess and how we can claim those things. Would you walk with me for a few minutes in the Bible? Look in your Bibles to chapter 1 and drop down to verse 7 and let's move quickly. Chapter 1 and verse 7, uh, look at what God says here. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Notice God's words here. According to the, what's this word? Riches of his grace. Go from there over to chapter 3. Quickly, chapter 3 and verse 8. Look what God says here. Chapter 3 and verse 8, unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles, what does he call them? The unsearchable riches of Christ. Drop down to verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Verse 19, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled, not just kind of a teaspoon here and there, but filled with all the fullness of God. Everything that God has, I want this to be a part of you, is what he says. And obviously can be chapter 4. Chapter 4, drop down to verse 13. says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure, well, how big is this measure going to be? Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's the things that we can have as a, as a believer in the Lord. How about uh, chapter 5 and verse 18? Very familiar verse. I don't know if you'd look at it in light of what we're talking about today, though. 5.18 says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but... Be filled with the Spirit, with everything that God has for you. That's what God wants to be in you and to work in your life. And when I get up every morning, my wife asks me every time I get up, how are you feeling today, honey? I'm tired. I haven't had my, my coffee yet. Um, and and uh, in 
So you come to church, do you come to church that way? You know, with the dull drums and just kind of bored and just kind of anxious for church to get over with? Or do you look at life as an opportunity to be filled with the blessings of God today? He daily loadeth us with benefits, the Bible says. It's what God wants us to have. So Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians. He's sitting in a prison house writing this letter to the Ephesians about the riches of Christ. And he's sitting here with maybe a meager cup of water. And and I realize the Romans didn't treat him too terribly bad, but he's not sitting there with riches laying all around him physically, but he's drawing from the wellspring that floods up inside of him. And he can't help when he begins to write this letter to these people and tell them about a wonderful God that has so much for them. The first three chapters, as we get into Ephesians, you're going to find out it deals with doctrine you know, just some spiritual truths that we can stand on, foundational issues or doctrines. You get into the last three, and it kind of deals with our behavior, how the Christian ought to be living their life on this earth. As I'm kind of talking to you about how Paul picked up a pen, you know, some guys, you know, will pick up a pen, and if I'm writing a letter to somebody, I kind of, I kind of slowly work my way into the letter, and I know what I'm wanting to talk about, but I'll, I'll break the ice a little bit. We talk about a number of different things. Then about four or five paragraphs on down into it, I'll start to address the real issue that I want to get into. It gets a little heavy-handed there sometimes, but not the Apostle Paul. You stick a pen in his hand, I mean, it's pretty much like, hello, and then boom. I mean, it's like fire comes flowing out of the end of that pen, and he jumps right into the truths that he wants the Christian to have uh, in this book. So let's, let's kind of walk through just a couple of points here this morning. We're only going to do the first three verses, but it will outline, kind of introduce for you today everything that God wants to try to bring out for us later on in this chapter or in this book. I don't know if you notice how many times the words in Christ popped up just in the few verses we read. Those are the key words of the whole book, I would have to say, in Christ, being in Christ, being seated in the heavenlies, uh, in whom is another one of those words you would find. But here's what we have to understand, guys, is because I am saved and Christ is, is in me, I am also in him. And because I am in him, I have everything that he has available to him. Paul is trying so hard to wake up sleepy eyes, sleepy Christians who've kind of been lulled into this uh, lazy sleep and have not really gone ahead and really served Christ and given him everything that you have so he can give you everything he has. So, number one, first thing we do is Paul introduces himself to these Ephesians in verse one. Let's go back there and look at it. Verse one, Paul says, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful, hey, look at those words, in Christ Jesus, okay? So here's his introduction, Uh, wants us to know who's writing to them, and again, he introduces himself to these Ephesians as an apostle of, of Jesus Christ, okay? You'll remember the word apostle, if you had to give a definition to the word apostle, what would you give to that? It's very simple. And if you've never known this, you ought to write it down. The word apostle simply means sent one. Somebody that's been sent with a message from somebody else. And so he wants us to 
know that the Apostle Paul is somebody that was sent with a message. And here he comes saying, I, I, I'm coming with a message. And oh, do I have a message that I want you to get. And since I am sent by Christ, I'm definitely going to fulfill what God sent me to do. So I am an apostle of Jesus Christ. But you have to understand this about the apostle Paul. Anytime you have a man that stands up and it becomes a leader for the cause of Christ, and he just very humbly wants to serve the Lord, hey, listen, because he stood up and is willing to be the leader, your head usually sticks up a little higher than everybody else because you're having to lead, and you become an easy target for everybody to shoot at. And that's what they're doing at the Apostle Paul. They're telling uh, everybody that you, you just made that up about being an apostle. You're just a self-proclaimed apostle. You're not really all that you really said that you are. Um, so he reminds them that his calling was, look with me again in verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by what? By the will of God. That needs to change the tone of some people about that, uh, long about that time. You, if you can discredit the messenger, guys, you can discredit his message. If you can make somebody look like a fool then the message can be foolish. You understand that. And, and not a lot of, maybe not a lot of people will follow him. I remember when I was eight years old and just remember I was saved when I was nine years old. I said that for a reason. So I'm going to say that I was eight years old this, during this story. And I was out in the backyard and I probably had my slingshot ready to take some black bird out of a tree. And uh, I was a mighty hunter in that day. <laughs> I missed every bird I ever shot at, never got one. But, uh, but I was hunting, and I loved to do that, and I was sneaking up on a bird. Um, and uh, the back door flung open, and um, something called a sister stepped out the back door, and I still remember this, and said, Philip! That's the way sisters talk. You need to come and take out the trash. And she would carry that last word out like that all the time. And I'm like, and those of you who do not have the privilege of having a sister just cannot understand. The great blessing of having a sister like that. And so um, I would just ignore her. I'm like, it's my sister. Trying to tell me what to do. You take out the trash. I wasn't saved yet, okay? I was only eight years old. When I was nine, I just instantly transformed just like that, but... But I had thoughts about my sister at the time, and I'm like, you just go back in, and I'll do my stuff, and you do your stuff. I'm not taking out the trash right now. And then she said those game-changer words. Dad says, I'll just drag that last word out. Dad says, now, this is not my sister talking. Now, this is my dad talking. Honestly, I saw right through my sister, and I could see my dad standing there saying, Son, you do what I tell you to do. And I dropped my slingshot, stuck it in my back pocket, and went running in the house, and I emptied the trash. So when I heard this message from my sister, um, and I heard whose authority was behind it, I carried a lot of weight to me, and it put me into action, and that's the idea behind Paul's introduction. Uh, I'm Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, but I want you to know I'm by the will of God. It's God that leads me in what I'm doing. Just a real brief little thought here this morning, guys. Make sure that the person you are following is following Jesus Christ. 
Make sure you know that he's being, she's being, whoever you're, you, you've uh, uh, been uh, trying to follow in whatever area of your life. Make sure they're following Jesus Christ. I've heard so many stories of people who had moms and dads, and they loved their moms and dads so much, and, and you should love your moms and dads. But when they grew up, their moms and dads had some bad habits, bad habits that had to do with God, bad habits that would kind of push God out of their life. And they would say, well, I was just raised this way, and that's just the way I'm going to be. Well, friend, I'm going to tell you, don't let your mom and dad or anybody else, your followings, mistakes, drag you down and away from God. Make sure the person you're following is following the will of God. And the Apostle Paul wanted them to know that. I am, I've been led by God. I know the hand of God is on my life, and I'm, I'm being led by Him. So he also lets him know that he's writing to, look back here again, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the, who? To the saints which are at Ephesus. So the word saint, some people have an idea that the word saint is talking about people who have died and they're the ones that are in heaven. Those are the, those are the saints that are up in heaven, but they are saints in heaven, but when you get saved, you become a saint of God. The word saint means kind of like the word sanctified, kind of carries with it the same meaning, holy, separated to somebody different now. Uh, For instance, when I went to Bible college, uh, um, when I I, I went to Bible college, I wanted to get a Bible education, but I also did not want to walk away from there single. So I noticed there was a lot of ladies running around on campus down there, and one of them caught my eye. And she was available to all the other guys on campus until one blessed year uh, we got to talking a little more intently than everybody else was and then the day came please don't tell people how I proposed to you I mean they do these really fancy proposals nowadays and they get them on video mine was horrible nobody told me to do that but when I asked her to marry me and she agreed to she got off the menu she's not available to just anybody else Anybody say amen to that? Yes. Strong amen there. Thank you so much. But she's mine, and she belongs to me and to nobody else except God. Amen? So God is saying here through the Apostle Paul, I'm writing to the saints, saints who are set aside to God. You belong to no one else but God. God made you and created you. You are formed by the hand of God in your mother's womb. And and it's God's hand that is on you today that gives you grace and strength today. We are saints in the Lord that belong to God. So that's how we're supposed to view ourselves, set apart to God. We are His. And then he said, moving on in that verse, we are saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Those who are faithful, who are trying to live for God. Those who, guys, when you come to church, like you're sitting here today, church is not a hobby to you. It's not something that I, it's just uh, something on my checkoff list for the week that I just get done and I, okay, good. Sunday morning service is done. We can go on home, eat our lunch, whatever we're going to do. All right, Sunday night. Some of you even come back on Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. I wish we had the same crowd. Sunday night, Wednesday night that we have on Sunday mornings. Amen. That was a good, strong affirmation uh, that we all agree with that, Pastor. But sometimes people just come and they're not really faithful in their heart. Jesus came and talked to a group of people, and you remember in the book of Matthew, he said, he that hath an ear to hear. 
Let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And what he was trying to get across was that I, I want those who have a real desire, who want to really hear the things of God. And if I could put it into our church here this morning, God's looking for a group of people. He's writing a book like this to people who want to be faithful to God. You're here not out of a hobby. You're, you're here on purpose. You're here because you want to know what God has for my life. And when I leave here, I want to live my life for God. I'm, I'm trying with everything in me, with God leading me to be a faithful servant of Christ. Paul says those are the ones I'm writing to, those faithful saints of God that are there at Ephesus. Then secondly, Paul gives us the theme of the entire book, and that's in verses 2 and 3. Would you follow with me as we read those two verses? Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You think those are just filler words? You think it has some meaning behind that? And then he says in verse 3, I don't know how you say the word blessed or blessed. I've been saying blessed. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You just got the theme of the whole book, guys. You just found out everything Paul is wanting to say, and man, does he dive into it. That pen is now flowing with fire. And he just jumps right into the blessings that God gives to us, how we got them, how we can apply them to our lives. And that's the burden on his heart that he's trying to, to be able to give to these people. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Man, what an encouraging book that he's beginning to write for us here. So, I have all these blessings waiting for you. I remember uh, years ago reading the story, and every now and then I'll tell you the story of a, a daddy whose son got away from uh, the family, got involved in alcohol, and this is many years ago, and just ruined his life, had traveled the United States, and, and the daddy owned a big business and was, a, in our day and age, would have been a multimillionaire and tried to give his son enough to be able to help take care of him. But once his son left, never heard from him for a long, long time. And he missed him dearly. And, and he would send people out every now and then to different places in different states when he would hear that maybe his son was seen here or there. Until one day somebody came running up and said, I, I, Sir, I believe I saw your son down at the train station. And the dad loaded up everything, jumped on his horse, and ran down to the train station and, uh, and got off his horse and went looking around trying to find his son, finally saw the back of his head, and he knew that's my son, and grabbed him by the shoulders and turned him around and said, son. And the son looked up at him. He was just kind of half dazed, and he said, sir, do you have a quarter I could borrow? He spent his whole time down there at the train station trying to just get a little nickel here and a quarter there from people and did not even recognize his own father and asked him for a quarter and his dad said, son, I own an entire business. I own, can I say, millions of dollars, and you're asking me for a quarter. I, I can give you any number that you would have asked for. I could have given to you if you just, your life would be in such a way that you're walking in line and I could be a tremendous blessing to your life. And that's the way God is wanting us to see and understand this book of Ephesians. I have so much for your life and you're willing to live on nickels and dimes of the Christian life. 
Before he gets to those blessings, though, he starts with verse 2. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. You've heard it said like I've heard it said for years and years. You'll never know the peace of God until you experience the grace of God. And they say that's why God puts grace first. Grace be to you and then peace. And that's true. And if I could just say that to our congregation this morning, uh, until you have experienced the grace of God, where God wants to give to you all of his blessings, most of all, salvation, until you've experienced the grace of God, you'll never know what the peace of God really is like. But in this passage, he's dealing more so with a group of Christians who uh, need to walk in that grace of God to be able to experience that peace of God that can come to their lives. Millions of Christians simply don't live in the peace of God because they haven't learned how to draw from the grace of God. I stood at a pop machine one time, not too long ago, because I don't think these pop machines are all that very new, but you push one button and 57 different pops flash up in your face. And I just wanted a Diet Coke. And, I'm, and, and there's a long line of people behind me and you, you had to push the Coke thing and then it flashed up 27 Cokes. And then I'm like, caffeine free. And then the people are behind me like, they didn't say it, but like, would you just please hurry up old gray haired guy? And uh, I just didn't know how to run that machine. I didn't know how to get to my pop. And somebody had to actually show me how to get to my Diet Coke. You can actually put cherry in there too, Diet Cherry Coke. That's pretty good. But there's so many Christians in the Christian life, they they treat the Word of God much like that. They open the Bible and there's so many options and so many blessings and so many things that can be given to the Christian life and just simply don't know how to apply the grace of God to their life to be able to experience the blessings of God in their life. We live such a pauper Christian life. So notice how God describes his blessings to us. We're going to run down through here and wrap this up. In verse 3. Look in verse 3 with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So first, when he begins to deal with our blessings, uh, he has blessed us, if I can put it this way, he has blessed us fully because of the phrase that says, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. I mean, have you ever gone to a job and tried to get a job done? Somebody told you, you have to, you're responsible to get this job done and you could get it almost done, but you didn't have all the tools that you needed. And God looks at us and says, I've got every tool you're ever going to need to be able to serve me in this Christian life. I'm giving you all spiritual blessings. Let me read 2 Peter 1 and verse 3. The Bible says here, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. All things that pertain unto life and godliness, God said, I have given those things to you to live your life by. The first of those spiritual blessings that God gives to anybody is a pardon. And I'm telling you, you don't get any greater gift than that one. When I was lost in sin and I was deserving to go to a devil's hell, and if I had died without Jesus Christ, I told you I got saved when I was nine years old, died when I was eight years old, I believe I'd gone to hell. I knew what salvation was. I knew what sin was. I knew when I was choosing to do right and wrong. I knew those things. 
And yet I did not have a pardon from God from all my sin in my life. But the day I knelt down at an altar uh, at an old Southern Baptist church many years ago in Franklin, Ohio, and I cried out to God and asked God to save me, God pardoned me from all of my sin. And now I stand clean before God in heaven today. God pardoned every sin that I had ever committed and every sin I was going to commit. And the day you got saved, the greatest spiritual gift you got was your pardon. Praise the Lord for that. I mean, it's like that when it happens in churches. God begins to speak to the heart of a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. And they begin to realize, I am a sinner. I have filth in my life. I've got sin that makes me deserving of hell. And yet there's a God that's willing to forgive my sin and pardon me and, and, and put me into a right relationship with God. Absolutely. There is a God today that would forgive you of your sin if you would call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. The greatest gift you'll ever get is a pardon from the Lord. It also includes our adoption. What does an adoption do? It puts you into a family and takes you away from another one. Amen. I don't like the family I used to belong to, and I'm not talking about the Matt Spencer family. I'm talking about the family of Satan that I belong to, that if I'd have died, I'd have gone uh, to a devil's hell. I'm thankful I got adopted out of that family and placed into another one. Amen. God gives me a right relationship now because a wonderful blessing that God has given to me. All these things are going to be highlighted throughout the book of Ephesians. We've got the earnest of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a down payment of the Holy Spirit. I am paid in full, but the Holy Spirit in my heart stands as a constant reminder to the devil and all of my accusers that I am already saved. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, living inside of us today. Also then, and I just got to wrap this up, everything I need to be able to live a dynamic life for Christ is available to every one of us. No one in this building is any less blessed than another one that's sitting in this building. And I know some think differently than that. Well, this person's better than I am because they were raised like this and I was raised like that. And, and guys, we were all rotten to the core before we got saved. You have to understand that. So when you get saved, you get Jesus Christ. You're complete in Him. You have all the fullness of God in you. We have all those things available to us right now. And in verse 3, when Paul tells us that we've been blessed in heavenly places, he's just saying that we are blessed with spiritual blessings as opposed now to those little meager blessings the world tries to dole out to us. Every person here has in them what it takes then to be a, a vibrant, fervent Christian, uh, able to defeat the devil in every way. Every married couple in here has all the blessings of God to have a thriving, growing, loving marriage. All that's needed, and it's in them. A Bible principle we would all do well to be reminded of time to time is that you have not because you ask not. And I have this idea, and I believe I'm pretty close to being right about this. Many Christians don't take the time to take the grace of God and get on your knees and beg for the grace of God to come into my heart, my life, this area of, can I just say it, my marriage, this area of my, uh, my personal life I'm struggling with, I have issues in my life, and you say, I just can't seem to get a victory in this area, or 
I want to serve God with all my heart, somebody might say, and I, I just seem to be so depleted. I just don't seem to have what others have. I'm here to tell you, you have everything that anybody else in this building has. And if you'd be willing to take the time to call out to God and beg for the grace of God to be given to you, to help you to see and open your eyes of understanding to the truths in this book, it will be amazing the transformation that can take place in your life, in your individual life, in your marriage, in your workplace, wherever you would go. It's amazing the transformation that God wants to take place in your life. We talked a while ago about Uh, getting saved and the pardon that we get when we get saved and I would ask you today do you know that you have been pardoned have you been adopted into the family of God if you don't know that friend God would love to save you today if you'd be willing uh, to call out to the Lord we're just going to have a uh, an invitation this morning if you could bow your heads with me our heads bowed and eyes closed as we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to bless our invitation time here this morning We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.